everybody. Welcome to the Two Devs and a Dude podcast, the only podcast where two devs and a random uh, games journalist dude just talk about everything's everything gaming. And we're actually joined by uh, two other people, but uh, for the starter, I am Jay Kidd of Wraith Game. And I am Grant McClure, Brigadoon564, founder of Game Over Game On and inspiring Twitch streamer. Brigadoon564 on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I am Cajun, aka Cajun underscore coding over on Twitter. I'm the host of the NDB podcast. Hi, I'm Glenti. I make a lot of music. You should be checking it out anywhere that you can find it on digital distribution. I also like to stutter and not finish sentences because I am totally easily distracted. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Adam Brown, who is also a member of Wraith Games, joining in on this podcast, because uh, I had literally nothing better to do. Two devs and a dude. We're great at math. I like uh, Jay's, the increasingly not well-named Two Devs and a Dude podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've been... trilogy of hosts here is what we're doing. That was a audio garbage, just to let you know. <laughs> And other names I consider for my own podcast. Um, it's I've been on the actual description of the podcast. I've been calling it the increasingly inaccurately named Two Devs and a Dude podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. It, it's actually Two Devs and as many dudes as we want podcast. <laughs> Pretty much. And people show up to make it more than Two Dudes podcast. Except um, the big problem with that is when Steve's on, then it's three devs and, like, two dudes. And then with Adam here, it's three devs and two dudes. It's kind of kind of wrong, isn't it? Maybe we should just call it devs and dudes. Maybe you should just call it, hey, there's a bunch of dicks in this podcast. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. I mean, I like the I like the two devs and a dude. Yeah, um, and I think it's funnier every time it's not two devs and a dude. Yeah, it's great. Eventually, we'll maybe at some point just be three of us. Maybe I'm sure. Eventually, we're just gonna have the entire race game staff on, and we're all just gonna talk at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm oh, okay please, with this. No. Okay, so sh- sh- I'm trying to remember what I'm supposed to do. Okay, yeah. Uh, so if this is the first Topics. time, yeah. If this is the first time tuning in and joining in and listening in to us garbagely ramble about things that are going on in our lives and in the world of video games, welcome. And Two Devs and a Dude basically is laid out. We all get together, we bring a topic to the table, and we discuss it. Good? To the point, Capiche? Do you understand? <laughs> Do you understand, listeners? So, I guess... I wanna... Blink once for yes and twice for no. Dot them by yo. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. That. I don't I don't know. I don't know what that means. I just used to watch a lot of bleach and I just remember Eisen Ah, fair enough. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of Nani. Man. Kai. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Bleach. Fantastic. Fantastic anime. So yes, my topic. I guess I'm starting this odd gravy trash train with my topic. <laughs> Which I'm going to talk about something that would have been relevant about maybe a few weeks ago because now it doesn't exist. The terrible online live stream debacle and website of Bully Hunters. And if you don't know what the... Huh? What was that? 
I was going to say, if you're about to talk trash about me, Tomo, we're going to have to fight. <laughs> oh, no. There's no, you don't need to talk about it. Everyone who played it knows it's trash. I guess that was the end of, co- end of the conversation. <laughs> I actually didn't have a good response for that. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so Bully Hunters, if you don't know what it is, um, it was a website that was set up by female streamers, female pundits of the gaming industry and journalists, I believe, to crack down on online harassment. And... Oh, huh? Hey? What's that stuff going on in the background? But, <laughs> but it was it was basically to crack down on online harassment, mainly aimed towards female online gamers. So after they launched this website, you pay a nominal fee, blah, blah, blah. The bully hunter comes in. They hired pro gamers to come in, and their main focus was CSGO. Because, yeah, you know, it's toxic and all that other stuff. That- so they did this huge live stream event where... You know, bullyhunters.com, the, and you can look up the footage about how cringeworthy and how terrible and everything is. That's, that's not the whole point of this whole thing. But basically, um, it, it was whole null and void. It was pointless. That's the reason why they don't exist anymore because they, the way they had it set up, the bully hunter was marked somebody that was harassing and CSGO quick play, not competitive play or anything because you can't just drop in, drop out of competitive play. So the guy, the the bully hunter comes in, drops in, kills the person that was being that was harassing said person, and then leaves, and then sends him a little message. Oh, you've been uh, you've been hunted by bully hunter, blah blah blah. Bullying's not nice. Online harassment's not nice. Like some sort of message like that. Well, that stream went over so well that within three days or a week or so of that happening, the site disappeared, the stream disappeared, and any sort of existence of it being around is gone and in my opinion in my two piece about the whole thing is if you're playing online games you should know what you're getting into regardless of what and almost every game that i know of especially online multiplayer shooters there's something called the mute button and you just mute them (laughs) and that solves the problem I mean, when I had a full team of me and my friends for League of Legends, I would just mute everything in all chat because I wouldn't want to deal with garbage people. Yeah, exactly. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I actually didn't mind the game. (laughs) It's still an overcomplicated, convoluted mess. But at least it ran well on my potato. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of potato computer. Yeah. Uh, so was it crowdfunded in any way, or was this just a, we launched, now give us money for this service, quote-unquote service? I, I, don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know the, I know the originations of, like the origin of the, the program. And I think, I think it, I don't think it was crowdfunded at all when it first started out. I think they just tried to start it up, and then it was crowdfunded by said donations or you paid a nominal fee to, you know, have someone hunted. Yeah. I mean, so it just goes to show that everyone's willing to waste money on the dumbest shit. <laughs> it sounds like a, a, a kind of good idea, like in a like schoolyard playground sense of, I'm going to bring my big brother to help protect my back from the bully over there. But at the same time, and yes, you should not expect to have to deal with outright toxic communities when you're playing games online but by 
God, you have to have a little bit of a thick skin, to, uh, at least thick enough to be able to press the damn mute button. When you go online to play games, you you know that there are going to be assholes, you know? Just plain and simple. I mean, the only multiplayer game that I play now is Destiny, which I, I've mentioned probably numerous times before. They don't have really a mute button, but everyone you ever really party up to, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not toxic. They're pretty nice people that you meet and you play against, and it's usually not. There's no harassment really involved. The only time I ever actually had that in game was when I used to play Call of Duty back in the day. And Call of Duty, when it pop up and it go to the menu before the game started, you would just go in, hit square, and just mute everyone that you didn't know that weren't your friends or was in your squad. It's simple. So to make to make a couple counterpoints, um, because I don't think it should necessarily be on the person who's being harassed to to seek it out, a uh, way to stop it, um, mute button or otherwise. Though it is that, that is obviously a tool that's there to sort of play devil's advocate on this. Um, I think that any uh, online video game that is going to have an integrated chat feature of some sort, whether it be voice or text. It should be on the developers to have a way to moderate that to some extent, you know, some sort of reporting system, yeah, yeah, reporting system or or otherwise. Um, if if a, if a developer does not have a system in place, a comprehensive system, they shouldn't have put chat in the game in the first place. I agree. Hundred percent agree. Man. I absolutely agree. Yeah. In fact, I would argue, despite the fact that I enjoyed the game, that is part of the reason why the game SOS ended up losing a massive amount of the people that played it by the end of, like, what, third, fourth month? And another point is that uh, all of these points are pointed towards a a kind of game where it is you versus many. But in League, like you were talking about, like muting all chat, you're muting the opponent's team. When the big problems start to arise is when it's your own team that is being harassing towards you in some kind of game where you have to be cooperative in order to play correctly. And so that leaves the the stale state of having to mute somebody who's trying to not necessarily help you, but you need to try to work with them in order to you know win. Yeah, but that that wasn't that's not the whole the that isn't the concept of the bully hunters thing. And if you're playing with toxic people, you should probably just stop playing with that person. Like I wouldn't play with someone who would be toxic. Like if I was in a squad and they were yelling at me and calling me derogatory names and terms and stuff. And they were on my friends list because I play on PlayStation. I'd be like, uh, nah, dude, see ya. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play with that person again. I really wouldn't. Keep in mind, yeah, in, I the case of, in the case of things like Overwatch and other things, you aren't always teamed up with people you know. When If you're in something like competitive and someone ends up turning to be a massive jackhole... I mean, it's going to be on you if you choose to leave at that point because it's like literally how it's designed to prevent people from leaving. Keep in mind, though, I think, I think, Grant, you're coming at it from a position of relative neurotypicality. Um, For a lot of people with severe anxiety or or depression or other, other, issues and that's an increasingly growing number of people it's not quite as simple as just leave um that may not occur to them and it it may feel like they're kind of trapped in these spaces or these games that they're playing might be their escape from otherwise pre-existing problems and even though the bullying is getting to them and it's making their lives worse it's it's not as though 
there's like it's it's not as though the real world is any kinder to them there are so many other mitigating factors for why it may not be so easy for them just to step away and then you also have the issue where the game itself starts penalizing people for just leaving in order to get away from those kinds of situations exactly i mean i it's, it's really a I understand I that think, point. Oh, go ahead. No, I'll let I'll let you go, Glenn. I was basically saying it really comes down to you can't control other people, and even though you can only control what you can do, sometimes it's more it's less effective considering that other people will use tactics that they know to mess with other people to keep them riled up, frustrated, and eventually hyper tilt. And I can't even say that I haven't been a beneficiary of something like that. For instance, there was this guy that was talking shit to me the whole time in Overwatch, and he would keep trying to solo me out, and I would beat him. And the one time I responded to him, he started freaking out. He just kept spamming fuck you over and over in chat. So at that point, I was like, well, if you're going to be that mad, and then he kept doing it. I'm like, yes, keep going. Your, your tears are going to lubricate me as I go and enjoy myself to your misery. <laughs> and he actually got so tilted, he kept going until he timed out. But that's not all. He ended up typing out every single one in frustration. And you could tell because he would typo on uh, every other line or so by the time I finally like egged him on and off. So what Jay really does say in a really twisted way has merit. There are people out there that once they've finally just hit that switch, it's not a question of, oh, I'm going to dismiss this and go away. It's a full out offense. And when you're playing a game that has you on an offensive or defensive side, you're kind of more prone to that anyways. Thus, CSGO, League, Overwatch, Fucking Club Penguin for all I care. But you couldn't use profanity in Club Penguin. It got you banned. <laughs> oh, that's true. Crap. Okay. Club <laughs> Penguin was a bad example. <laughs> there, was there was a game uh, a while ago, and I can't remember what it was. Hopefully one of you guys can jog my memory. Um, that specifically, it had a very uh, involved uh, reporting system for abuse. And what it would do is it would take all the toxic players and team them up with each other. That sounds I awesome. I wish more did that. I yeah, so just... you, had, you had just entire servers that were nothing but toxic players. And so then the regular servers for regular people were just like really nice people. That sounds fantastic. So from my experience, that sounds exactly how League's matchmaking works. So. <laughs> That's There's never like one person in a league game. <laughs> That's like the opposite of my experience with league. Oh, you had a good game or a bad game? Here's a guy that's going to call you 14 different racial slurs just for missing one shot on a minion. Oh, like, oh believe me. There's a reason I stopped playing that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. When yeah. I sat there and realized that I could justify someone ending up getting shot, I was like, you know what? There's a problem here, and it's caused me to get to this point. I think I'm done with this game. Yeah, because toxicity in the community breeds toxicity in people who aren't otherwise toxic themselves. Pretty much. I think that really is like... 
So I think ultimately our points here are that the mute button is good if you have a bad person in the group or if you have a bad match. You need moderators to keep the community at large from becoming toxic. And really, Bully Hunters doesn't have a position in this little set of solutions. Uh, really, that's just griefing the griefers because there are other more effective ways of dealing with the griefers like putting all together in the same servers, on the same matches. Now, was this just like a, a group of friends effort, or was this like some sort of we're making a huge production out of it kind of deal? Are you talking about the Bully Hunters thing? I think it was like, it's supposed yeah. to, it was apparently supposed to be a huge production thing. Like, it, they, if you watch the footage, it looks like they tried to be like this big, like trying to gonna be like this big production thing. And they wanted to, they did a live demonstration. But it went so wow. south, so bad that the website doesn't exist anymore, and that stream is is not on Twitch. Like it's not available. Like it doesn't. The Twitch channel doesn't exist. None of that stuff exists. If I remember correctly, the intent was to turn their footage into a kind of web series on their channel. Yeah. So, and I got a couple of questions or statements, either or. The first one is, do you think maybe in a bout of irony they were reported for the same kind of harassment in which they were claiming other people did? Well, considering there wanted to be uh, pretty much online gaming anti-heroes where they were griefing the griefers, I wouldn't be surprised if they were reported. Yeah, I mean, it was it's similar to yeah, like being an anti-hero. Like you, violence does not be, violence begets violence, correct? As the old saying goes. You know, you can't make for a hell of a good movie with Deadpool and Deadpool 2, but you know, the real world. Yeah. An eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it's the the whole concept in and of itself and in in the grand scheme of things, I think great idea. That but you can't why you're gonna you're just harassing harassers and what point does that I don't I don't even think it was remotely a great idea. It was a flawed it was a flawed premise and an even more flawed execution. Oh. Like, how even, how was it even remotely a good idea? Now, here's here's where... I, I think the concept now was good, but, other, but yeah, like, it wasn't... I could see where someone much smarter than me or much smarter than people who tried to implement it could possibly do a good thing with it. But here's, here's where I come in with the next thing I was going to say. There are people that set up projects and ideas and everything so they can fail for whatever reason there may be. And I feel like this could have tried to exploit something along the lines of that, because as we've seen in other cases, people will definitely exploit all sorts of drama for some sort of revenue, especially ad revenue. <laughs> YouTube. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, <laughs> that is my speculation on it. Like, I think it was just it seemed to be like just a giant like marketing ploy, like a PR stunt that didn't go the way it was supposed to go. Ultimately, I, I think at that point you're just kind of giving them too much credit. Like I'm, I'm not ready to put tinfoil hats on here. I think I'm not giving them too much credit. On the contrary, Jay, I'm thinking it was a terrible job that they tried to do what they did for the simple fact that it didn't fucking work. I what I mean, is, like, I think, solar, I think, solar roadways is a good idea, but it's poorly executed. And really, when you think about it, and you actually do the math, it's just not going to work. Yeah. I think this was just... Let's not get on to solar roadways. Let's not even remotely. 
like the thing is that it's I not a good idea another, in any capacity. I think this is out. another one of those. What was it? Uh, the ninja early early ninja. I think this is one of those that is just a a somewhat decent idea when you first write out on paper. When you spend five minutes thinking about it, it's like maybe this isn't so great. And when you try to put it into practice, it just is not going to work. Yeah. You know. But on the whole, the toxicity and stuff that I wanted to spin off on a little bit is that when does, um, so the whole zeitgeist of a community is, so say, so says positive, but when does a varying opinion of so said masses makes a, your comments or comments towards your, your, your opinion or comments towards other people's opinions considered toxic or negative? Because that's what I've been experiencing the past few days. Hence why I wanted to do a little bit of this topic. I mean, at that point, it's all situational. Yeah. Well, I did egg it on because they were very thin-skinned and stuff. So I was partial to the, the attacks and the toxicity. But mainly, uh, what I was going to state is that... So, um, like I've stated, I, I play Destiny 2. A lot of people don't don't like Destiny 2. If you go into Twitter and you go to Bungie, a lot of various and lots of comments on that game is just... Two words, over and over and over by tons of people, shit game. That is all. So, in this Discord channel that I'm in, I'm not naming names, and it's not my cl- my Destiny 2 clan. We, uh, I was talking, t- I was in their games chat channel, talking, they were talking about Destiny 2, and they just started bashing Destiny 2, and I was like, I came in there like, how is, how is Destiny 2 a bad game? How is it a shit game? Because I see it everywhere, how is it? So they go. There's a few various people that go in this ramblings about how oh Destiny or Bungie didn't give me this or Bungie didn't give me that or they didn't implement the same things they had in D1. And I just retorted with a developer doesn't uh, owe you anything. You shouldn't expect free content from a developer, especially an expansion pass, just because you're disappointed in the first sixty dollars you've spent that you think you should get everything for free. And I got. Mauled. I got attacked by probably eight other people. Just, just they came in and just basically started attacking me, and then that escalated into me just really just blowing down to shit posting, and I destroyed them to the point where one guy just completely abandoned the the, the Discord. But I mean, that actually does bring up a valid point. At what point are you allowed to expect something and be angry? And at what point are you getting angry over expectations that were made irrationally? Exactly. I think we're getting I, into philosophical morality at this point, though. No, I mean, I just want to know if... So, I know, Jay, We this is in the Discord stuff. His favorite Final Fantasy is Final Fantasy twelve. Not a lot of people agree with that. I was just busting his balls in, in the chat about how, you know, you can have a controversial opinion, and there's a difference between having controversial and then wrong. Just making a snarky, you know, just a little jab at it. Because I know Jay can take it. We're friends. We, 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 we bust each other's balls, I guess. So I hope, yeah. You, yeah, I know you. You know, I didn't mean it to be offensive or toxic. Or yeah, anything I thought it was like, hilarious. Yeah, that's why I tweeted about it. Yeah, so I mean, that that's the whole point. Like, I I'm, I'll make snarky, tongue in cheek comments, but the people in that, like, I guess they're so sheltered that they couldn't understand the context of just being snarky. And well, the the problem with uh, taking those two points and trying to cross-examine them is that you actively know Jay, and you don't actively know the people that were in the chat. So your experience, yeah, to but saying the, the the community to give away, the, yeah, but to give away the community though is that we're all friends. That's one of the main communities. It's supposed to be a positive community where we're all friends. Uh, yeah. 
I don't that's, know. That's a like, problem, that's, though. Yeah. That's something that people want, but I don't think it's ever going to no. happen. Because no. the community is so many different people who are just playing a game they like. There's so many differences it, and so many differences in the way they act that people aren't going to be able to act the same way with everyone that they do the people they normally do it, act it's, with. It's not a Destiny 2 community. It's 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 a large YouTubing community. That's Then that's an even larger and varied community that's not built around yeah, the well, game. But it was only like eight people that would that would that attacked me. And Right. Right, but hear me out here. Yeah. The, the, like, you're you're expecting good things to come from people who are part of technically and I know this is a very wide comparison here but hear me out technically are somehow in one way or another connected to the same people who go up to little kids audition tapes for some sort of school play and be like they are terrible i hope they catch cold and die who like was, no no YouTube this wasn't no no this was is, a small sec this is a, i can't out i'm not gonna out the the discord but it's, I mean, of course, I'm not. big. I'm big fans of them, and the co- founders are very likable people. And they're, like I said, they're we're considered best friends. That's that's their whole tag. Everyone in the community community are best friends. That's the whole point of it. Okay. Um. So I'm but, just gonna but, break some illusion there. Welcome no. to community marketing. Yeah. Well. No. I mean, no, yeah. So that that bringing that whole point in though, I was just making comments like trying to get why, and then they were. Just actually start up an actual tangible conversation, and it they delved into shit posting, and then I just took it to one extreme. Which, as a grown ass man, I know I was out of out of line, being, but because I'd basically probably made a few young eighteen year olds cry. Well, and to bring it back to your original question, which was how do you know when two differing opinions is a reasonable thing to talk about rather than it becoming a shitposting fest. And in this situation, it seems like it was people who don't actually know each other who were just talking about different topics and just kind of, it got overheated. The, the general rule of thumb, in, in my opinion, and I know, because uh, I get in a lot of heated political discussions um, on online, but the general rule of thumb is if you start seeing another person be agitated, you should probably not immediately think, Oh man, they're so thin-skinned. You should probably just walk away. You know, that's that's when the, where the line is. Maybe uh, but it's, it's not worth it. Oh Maybe no, just... it, it was worth it because I got some good laughs out of it. And, uh, it was on my part, but I shouldn't have done. It. And at that point, that's kind of that yeah. is kind of thing. yeah. And it, was, it was it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. I, I really should have stopped, but it was it, I I was getting some good laughs, and it was a really slow and boring day at work. Well, that's that's the answer to your question. The line is, "Oh man, I think I may have made someone upset. Is it really worth? Is it really worth going down this train? I'm not their I'm not their mom. It's not my place to tell them to get a thick skin. Maybe I should just walk away. That's the line. That answers your question right there. Oh yeah, plain yeah. and simple. No, but uh, but in that community though, one of the original founding members left because of how a lot of that said community and a lot of said um, internet bases are if you have a differing opinion, you're trash, and your opinion's wrong, and they attack you. Then, I guess, I guess, I mean, have you not, I mean, have you not experienced that in any, like, because I guess I have controversial opinions. I'm just saying, why be a part of that community? Oh, no, I left, I I was just, I muted everything and left, so I don't even care about that anymore. 
But I'm just yeah, saying, uh, that just sounds like it's overall a boatload of toxic. And uh, oh, I would yeah. have gladly invited him to my special club called the Hold This Dick Club. <laughs> yeah, no. I, it, after a few, I stopped for a few days, and, and I just had a few good uh, good zingers on there because they like PUBG and Fortnite, which they're fine. I don't like PUBG, and I don't like Fortnite because I don't like those type of games. But I found a lovely image on Reddit that just had a definition of Fortnite, and I thought it was funny, so I just dropped it in there. And then it, the whole, that whole chat, just like it, it went fire. It turned into fire. And I popped back in two hours. It basically said definition of Fortnite. And it said, I mean, I just thought it was funny. This is not what I believe, but it's just, it was on Reddit and it got a lot of upvotes and it was on the front page. That's all I got to say. But it said Fortnite definition. It said, um, a free to play game that's played by poor or poor people or virgins. That was it. That was the only definition of it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. So I just dropped that in there and see what happened. It didn't go well. Yeah, and I can see why you were thinking to yourself, oh, that's funny, because you know that there's no real basis of truth on that. Yeah. But the problem is the internet lacks this one massive thing, which is actually where I think a lot of the problems with, with communicating on the internet actually come from. With common sense? No, a lack of context. Oh, no one knows a lack, uh, the kind of context you have in text unless you make that context obvious. The same with tone. The same can be said when sharing pictures. The same can be said on anything that yeah. doesn't really share a variation of how to convey context. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. so that's probably you know, the main, the main factor in there. Cause if you went in and someone saw that and they knew you were just like, ah, ah, it's funny. I get it. It's not true, but it's funny. No, I mean, I just said, ha this is funny. And and then posted the picture and then, yeah, it, it, 200 messages, like an hour later, there's like 200 messages. Yeah. That's the other problem. People who interpret shit on the internet don't necessarily understand the concept of context either. Yeah, like, (laughs) I was just like, oh, God, wow. And then they started going off about Destiny, and then I was just like, it's done. But yeah, that's enough about me. So I left, that's done, and, but but I have noticed lots of things about how differing opinions and mass majority, or uh, the vocal majority, or minority, so eight people will hop on one guy and harass them because their opinion is differing from said other person. But that's just real life in general. That's not yeah. just culture. But it it but it the keyboard warriors, you know, I hate that term cuz it's awful. But it's kind of true that they'll they'll hop in there and in state that like they'll they'll go and they'll attack people because they have the I guess the um what the the anonymity not anonymity, the anonymous ability to type whatever said thing. Yeah, anonymity. That, yeah, and yeah, anonymity behind the keyboard. So they just attack whoever has a differing opinion. And a really interesting contrast though. I have been playing a game where the majority of the people who are in on it are really friendly and polite. Is that the Darwin project? Yeah. I watched some of that stream. I was like, this is cool. I don't like, I I don't, I don't like battle Royale games. So I don't, or, or hero shooters or anything like that. I don't play. To be fair, I don't really care about battle Royale games either. I usually, at most, will play Fortnite with one friend on their stream because I see it as more of a vehicle for content. Uh, Darwin Project, though, has a bit of a uniqueness to it because it adds a little bit of crafting, such as games like Don't Starve, 
uh, along with the Battle Royale and a survival thing, which again, akin to Don't Starve. Uh, it's interesting. Then, That's an interesting concept versus Fortnite's fort building thing and basically hiding and hopefully you shoot someone and then you just get to survive to the end. Fortnite is cartoonish PUBG meets Minecraft. And gunplay mediocre at best, but that's my opinion. I mean, I didn't I didn't go into Fortnite thinking I was getting accurate gunplay. Yeah, yeah, well. I went um, to Fortnite because I was like, sure, this can probably be an interesting thing to play with a bunch of friends, and it is. I, solo, it's trash. I put played six hours. At, <laughs> Solo's a joke. Yeah, no, I put, uh, like, yeah, I played just a long story, just sum up my topic and stuff, and just, yeah, we're on Fortnite. Uh, I did play, I've played about six, I played about six to eight hours of Fortnite, and I was like, I'll drop in. I'm like, okay, I understand the concept, and I would die a bunch. I'm like, okay, I understand what I need to do. I got to find loot, build stuff. All right, cool. Was getting the mechanics of the shooting and stuff. Now, the last match I played, I killed one dude, got fourth place, and I was like, I this was not even fun. Like it was just boring because solo queue yeah. was a snooze fest. Yeah, I can agree to that. Solo queue is quite boring. Um. I've noticed that even in duos, it can be boring in the event that you just automatically get shot down and then your friend has to go and survive the rest. There is potential, though. There, It depends on how you play, because a lot of people just run in and fight. And even though I can be aggressive like that, my favorite play style is, as, and I quote, play like a bitch. Now you may be going play like a bitch. That sounds borderline potentially offensive. What are you getting at, Glenn? Playing like a bitch means you are hiding and you are getting stuff to hide and like a couple of weapons and doing your best to watch everyone kill each other and then snipe the closest person with the lowest health that you can because yeah. you don't want to get caught in that and immediately get out of there. Yeah. Or don't even. Just go and watch by the sidelines and just kind of sneak around. I got the second consecutively. <laughs> yeah, pick pick the scraps off, right? Pick out the scraps. Yeah, take out the trash. And that's when I noticed when Battle Royales were kind of fundamentally flawed in that sense. Yeah. Because I do well in Darwin Project doing a very similar method. Yeah, that's how I got fourth place because I hid and like slowly creeped and would, I would build something, hide. Yeah. Wait for somebody to come around, and I didn't see anybody for a little while. And when the circle would start going in, I'm like, "All right, time to move on." Well, you boy. I was I was just saying, time to move on. Speaking of, it seemed apropos. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't like Fortnite, but you know, if you play it, that's cool. Whatever. Play whatever you want to play. Enjoy it. Just don't attack people for not liking your game. That's all I want to say. Unless it's collapses, everyone has to play collapses. Everyone. All hell collapses. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, I have... The, well, okay, so um, you have to... All your studio remodel is done, and you have to start from scratch now. Because as soon as you walk through the main doors, you have a big circular area with a monolith. With <laughs> a bunch of a little shape. Yeah, a monolith. Like, uh, you know, the... A, you know... A monolith. You know what I'm talking about? You know what a monolith yeah, is, right? I know what, yeah. I know what a monolith yeah. is. A monolith, though, of all the collapses of shapes just all over it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's it. Like, that's it. Just in, that's it. And then you have a little I need, plaque. I need to convince Steve to make lawn gnomes of collapses shapes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Leon would be a better fit. Like, but. like 
a, a full gnome, but just like instead of a face, it's just a block. Like that's just creepy. <laughs> <for me>. No, <laughs> actually, I also really freaking like how creepy that is. But I wasn't even thinking of it that way. I was thinking of collapsus blocks instead of lawn gnomes because gnomes are overplayed. Gnomes have been overplayed since David the Gnome, and that came out in the eighties. Glenn has just discovered a untapped demographic for nerd culture paraphernalia. He loves his gnomes, though. No, I he mean, does. but yeah, but have you ever seen like uh, nerdy uh, lawn things? Like you don't see like plastic uh, Captain America. What are you talking about? Most nerds don't own houses. Oh, that hurts me. Oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do I mean, though. It I, I really hurt. It's true. It's better to be honest. It can be. It really is depending on the situation. Oh no, my water, my hot water heater's busted up. Oh, let me just call the landlord instead of dealing with myself. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's fair. I'm a plumber, so I'm like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just call myself. I'm just like, man. Now I have to go to Lowe's and get it, or just order one, and they deliver it to the house, and then I just got to drive. Home it. Depot, because this episode is is not sponsored by Home Depot, but you should go there anyway. I do like Home Depot, though. It's just Lowe's is closer to the house. Eh, both companies kind of suck. Yeah, they're not very non-union. So, Cajun, <laughs> your topic. Yo. Ah, that hissy man. Uh, so a blow to who was it that was a huge, that's a huge Vita fan? It was you, right? Right, Jay? No, it's me. It's Grant. Kind of both of us. Okay, so to a huge blow to both of you guys, since I'm a uh, Game Boy guy only, just by economics. Uh, the Vita is winding down physical production of its game cartridges. Uh, online. The uh, e-store purchase will still be on for foreseeable future, but according to the Kotaku article, uh, all Vita product code requests must be submitted by June 28th of 2018. Final purchase orders, I guess, for the uh, actual discs, uh, February 15th, 2019. So by the end of the 2018 fiscal year, uh, March 31st, 31st 2019 uh all physical game production will end like with uh when the uh just like when the wii u servers are shutting down and when the next steam sale is this was sadly one of the pieces of information i had ahead of time and i just had to keep my big stupid mouth shut Oof. and then um in a related article i found uh while pulling this up on my computer next to me um it seems like the Vita has been discontinued in where, let me see, where was this? Um, I don't really stop production, uh, I think, of, at one place, but. It says uh, TechSpot reported the Spanish PlayStation Twitter said that Vita had been discontinued in its region. Um, I don't know if that's Spain, like Spain, Spanish, they're talking about, or. Um, like um, uh, Central American, yeah. uh, South American stuff, but looks like it can be wrapping up as well, unfortunately. So that's actually a little weird. So um, Collapsus's pub- uh, publisher, Radalica, they're um, they're in uh, Spain, and I that would be one of the pieces of information I probably would have heard. So let's assume they mean Spanish speaking. 
Yeah. Uh, this is the, the literally I read it word for word from this article a couple, uh, that was just put out a couple of days ago. So I genuinely have no idea that that is incredibly vague, given that uh, Spanish is, I think, like the third most commonly spoken language on Earth. Second, that's you know, like half the Western hemisphere, half the Western world. So, but at any rate, uh, yeah, sad news for the visa, Vita either way, uh, even if the discontinuation of it itself is just a rumor, uh, the game discs is a definite, those are uh, getting shut down. So you'll probably only be able to find the discs for the next 20 years used at GameStop after that. Yeah. But um, anybody? <laughs> no, no, I got it. It just hurt on the inside. <laughs> so, so even though the physical games are getting canned i mean the thing that has been keeping the system alive for so long is indie devs in general and they mostly try to stay away from physical copies so i mean i don't think it's that much of a blow yeah i think this really is just a blow to the last um medium to large developers uh that really stuck around uh I, I again, I don't have a Vita, so I don't know how much the AAA games, AAA games come to Vita. Honestly, I haven't known for years. So, so the thing that should also be known is that um, for a lot of independent developers, um, for, and I, I can't speak to which ones do this, but Signature Edition, Limited Run, um, Signature or uh, Limited Label, and everything, the 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 indie devs who the or the indie dev manufacturers of physical games don't even use and i'm not sure which ones don't use but i know a lot of them don't even use the actual distribution channels from sony themselves anyway yeah i mean those are usually done as far as i'm aware they're done as one-offs like small batch runs just as a collector's edition pretty much so exactly how would, my only question is since uh they're talking about the uh, these purchase orders being ended is like, is that going to be anything on the back end? Um, having some sort of, because I don't know how the DRM on these discs work uh, without some sort of signature, uh, certificate or signature on them, will they still be able to run? On the Vita, yeah, they'll be able to 2019. Yeah, no, yeah, the, everything that's um, on the disc, like your your rights or purchasing rights or whatever for uh, the physical versions of a Vita game, which is a cart, not a disc, because um, it's basically an SD card that's on the Vita. That's what the games are on. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm still thinking PSP here. That's that's how behind the times on the PlayStation handhelds I am. But they're all there. I'm when, still thinking the ZMD discs. When you, the only thing that you were probably mentioning is if you buy a game digitally on the Vita, that uh, once a month or so, or every so many days, that the Vita has to ping the PlayStation server to verify your licenses for purchase games on your. Also, Grant. Yes. Dumb question. What do you think the D and SD card stands for? Disc. So anyway, continue, please. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was correct, right? You were going to school me. Yeah. 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 No, I wasn't even going to actually give the answer. It was pretty self-evident. Yeah. Santa. And that's Jay's lesson in semantics for the week, guys. Hope you <laughs> well, learned something. Yeah, don't you worry. Oh yeah, it's it, the episode's over. We're done. Um, thanks for ju- tuning in and listening to Two Devs and a Dude podcast. Oh great, it's already over. Good. I friggin' hate video games. If it was that easy, I would have done the lockdown. <laughs>
Yeah. Um, no, that it's it doesn't surprise me in actuality because the Vita's been dying. Like it's been on life support for years. Like for four years, games are still coming out for it. Uh, games are still coming out for it. It's being supported on a very small level by a very uh, niche commu- uh, niche niche, however you want to pronounce it, community. That uh, the attach rate is incredible. They're hungry for games. They buy lots and lots of games. And I would say that if the proprietary memory cards that you had to have for the Vita wasn't a problem, or I mean, is a factor of why the Vita died uh, alongside Sony's lack of support. But so if if it uses standard like mini um, SD card, say as the Switch, the Vita probably would have flourished. But it had to use pri- proprietary Sony Magic Gate memory cards, and that was it. And that was one of the In downfalls. The two and a half years I was a Radio Shack manager selling uh, the PSPs and the PS Vitas, I can tell you exactly how many I sold. One. One. To In yourself. Two and a half years. No, it was um, no. Um, uh, it is just some mom getting it. Like she ordered a bundle, you know, that we just had on a good Bike Friday deal. That's it. You know, I didn't even see so many batteries or charge cables for these things. Like yeah. genuinely, to be honest, um, like all this news about the system failing only makes me want to pick it up that much more, just so I have one. Oh, the Vita's great. Been around for a while. Yeah, go get the OLED. Don't get the new one. Don't get the new one. Go get the OG OLED screened Vita. The thing is that it's not. It's not that it's failing. It's not a failing system. The thing's been around forever. It is just ending its run, and that's fine, and that's natural. However, just whenever the whenever the Wii ended its run, there were a good two three years of games that came out afterwards. Same thing with the Wii U. They're still doing Wii U games, though very slowly. DS had games coming out for quite some time afterwards. How long it did is the PS2? Uh, sorry, Jay. How long did the PS2 um, people still make games for the PS2 long PS2. after the PS3 was out? They are still making PS2 games to this day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not even a joke. They are still making PS2 games. Doesn't and unlike work. the Dreamcast, which has just a healthy homebrew scene, the PS2 games that are coming out are still being are still being uh, okayed by Sony. They're they're really? still going gold. What, what do you mean? Their their QA process on Sony when you submit it that when your game is finally QA'd through Sony and everything's good and the game's not broken, it's called going gold. Uh, um. So the I, it's actually weird. You know. Uh. Even in the industry, I've not heard that phrase. Um. But the thing is that they don't they don't do their internal QA anymore, but they do have to have to sign off on them in some some capacity. Yeah, they're what they're seal of approval, I believe. Yeah. Jay. Well, that's my news for the week, guys. That was a quick one. I was gonna, I was yeah. gonna try to come up with a funny joke involving Seal the singer, but I couldn't. Orc. Didn't he get attacked by wolves in that one movie with uh, Andy Samberg? I mean, probably. Yeah. No, I love that movie. It's so fucking funny. The uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, pop star never stopped stopping. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, on to the, the next topic. Uh, my topic for this, uh, this episode is the brand new Xbox One accessibility controller. And that was a, that was a huge deal. Um, and it's weird because we do, at Wraith, a lot of work with accessibility. 
and um, we follow a whole bunch of other people who do accessibility work and everything, and we follow the hashtag and stuff. And normally it's just like a dead zone, but like the last like week, just like bam, everyone is talking about accessibility. Everyone's talking about this controller. And the really neat thing for us is our friends over at the Able Gamers Charity were some of the people who were actually helping with the development of this process. It was so freaking neat. Oh, that's awesome. The ex- uh, the the controller is great. Like I was like, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Good for you, Xbox. And I'm like, you got to have something, I guess, because they're they don't have any games. I mean, you're not wrong. I know. I'm like, yeah. That- I was gonna say that's that's not inaccurate. Yeah. It's just also an inside joke about the PS3 that still hasn't died. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no. It, it it. I was like, this is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Except anyone. Everyone should be able to play games, and I've listened to the podcast I listen to a lot, uh, The Kind of Funny Guys. They're friends with Stephen Spawn, right? Or is it Spoon? Spoon. Yeah, Stephen Spoon, and he wrote this big letter about this, and uh, about to one guy, he was talking about how he lost the ability of one hand or something like that, and I was like, well, you know, always you can always reach out to Able Gamers. We're willing to help. We'll do whatever we have to because everyone deserves to have the right to play games. Steven, I just cool, dude. You lost to say you told him to reach out. Come on. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, the the only thing I wouldn't have done is said reach out. But at least you didn't tell him you'd give him a hand. I don't even know if he said at that I'm paraphrasing what the big letter he wrote. He but he wrote this okay, huge letter. Thank goodness. It wasn't word for word. It wasn't for verbatim. But I'm just saying he oh, basically said that you can contact us at any time for any questions and stuff like that. But I was. Oh, it's friggin' awesome. Yeah, D- whoever yeah. wrote into that podcast, and and so I was like, that guy, and he, you know, whatever, fuck, he should have. I think he deserved to get the game, the trending gamer award. But you know, whatever, he's he gets enough notoriety. He's a great guy. He seems to be a great guy. Yeah. So um, the thing is that um, every time we see him in an event, we try to we try to hang out with him because he is like the freaking coolest dude. Like um, he just has like so much insight into the industry and he's fucking hilarious, too. So like, yeah, no, like Stephen, Stephen's freaking amazing. And we even we even asked, like, if he was going to be at PAX and he's like, sadly, no. And I'm like, well, crap, we were hoping to hang out with you again. And he just like sent a sad face back. It's like, oh, so uh, because he goes to GDEX like all the freaking time. Um, And so like he's just really cool to hang out with. And I don't know, like, honestly, about the actual accessibility controller itself. I think the coolest freaking feature, because I, I talk with the Able Gamers as much as I can about the hardware end, even though obviously the only stuff we do is software-wise, um, as far as accessibility options are concerned. We don't manufacture hardware in-house. Um, but uh, one of the things that they had to do for like ever was um, disassemble um, Xbox 360 controllers in order to get them to, to work with like um, USB and stuff. And what they would do is because the Xbox 360 controllers weren't Bluetooth, yet they were so they were so universally compatible with everything, um, they actually had to buy up a whole bunch of wireless adapters for PC um, so they could then hack the, um, the Xbox 360 controllers to do really cool stuff. Um, and so it was in conversations with Xbox during that point um, when they started talking about accessibility controllers and everything, which was fucking amazing. Um, 
And they have this this like magic box that they built like a while ago where it just has a whole – it's just a box with a whole bunch of ports. And you just plug in a whole bunch of um, different accessories, like as many buttons as you want or like arcade joysticks or like D-pads or whatever. And then looking at this new controller on the Xbox One, the whole back of it is just a fuck ton of ports. And not only is it a fuck ton of ports, but they're like audio jack ports. So they're like – universal and super easy to wire and super easy to homebrew for you could rig up bananas to this thing it's awesome like i i normally don't geek out about like hardware but like this is the single coolest controller that i've ever seen in my entire life well you can literally wired a potato to your controller i mean that's impressive yeah I was also going to say, uh, someone's actually done that with bananas, but that doesn't mean it's not impressive. I just now really want to do that. <laughs> no, so that's the thing is, I, I saw they they you know they played Dark Souls with bananas and stuff, and they played Donkey Kong with bananas. That's why bananas went into my brain. But like, this makes it easy to rig up bananas. You don't have exactly. to mod a controller. You just stick shit into the banana and put it in there. This means oh, that yes. that controller that controller modification. For accessibility or otherwise, but definitely for accessibility, has just been broken open. Like you can rig up whatever you want to this. You could rig up, um, you could rig up an exercise bike to this fucking controller with some potentiometers, and like, oh my god, like the possibilities are limitless. That's freaking awesome. Now I remember the time that someone played WoW with a treadmill. So like, that would be a whole lot easier now using this controller. Yeah. I'm watching the video while you were talking about, and this looks incredible. Like just for everyone, like this is this is incredible. Like I'm watching all the the videos of them put uh, different, all the different variations and tie-ins and all the things that they can add to that. Basically, slab of metal with two big buttons on it, and how yeah, no matter your disability, they can put something to it to make you have the ability to play a game. That's one of the things. So I'm not I'm not sure if our audience knows, but what the able gamers do in general um, is they are a nonprofit. They are the the world's largest gaming related nonprofit, um, like not even just a nonprofit, like a literal charity, um, because you can be a nonprofit, not a charity. But they're the world's largest gaming related charity. And their entire goal is to uh, it's twofold. One is to go and make hardware and uh, help help people who normally can't game, people who are um, who are paralyzed or who are blind or who have mi- are missing limbs, things like that. They will help build custom hardware for them and then help like create grants and stuff for them to, to use it. And uh, the other thing that they do is work with developers, whether it be developers of hardware or software to make things more accessible. So they will talk to like hardware manufacturers about making more commercially available accessible accessible controllers, or it will and or because they do they do it all. Um, they talk to developers like us, and they're like, "Hey, we want to teach you how to make a whole bunch of accessible accessible stuff." And back when Collapsus was just uh, was just first starting out, they um, noticed that we had a big focus on colorblindness, and so they started talking with us, and they gave us a couple ideas. And after that, it just really sparked this whole thing of oh my God, let's put in 40 plus accessibility options because it all just came naturally. And that's the cool thing about talking with these guys 
is because they've been in the industry for so long working with accessibility and working with all manner of devs, any developer can benefit um, from talking with them because even just like five minutes of talking with them, you can make you can bring your game up to snuff because it's not hard to make a game accessible. Um, it depends on the game, obviously, but for 90% of games out there, it's super easy to make them accessible and they will just tell you, hey, maybe put in these things and here are a couple ideas as to how. Like, they're just the coolest people. I'm, I, I, great. Yeah, I have the the uh, the controller and the features and stuff pulled up, and some of the bullet points are really cool. So the the first one on the whole thing is that they call the copilot the copilot, and copilot links two controllers so you can use them as if they were one controller. Once linked, both controllers have full control, and you can use either controller however you like. There's an Xbox Assist. Um, it it's a personalized customer customer support consisting of new feature guides, how-to video suggestions for features that might be available to you. Uh, it's American Sign Language Xbox support in partnership with uh, Microsoft Disability Answer Desk. Xbox support for accounts and billing is now available for in American Sign Language for Xbox gamers in the United States. They have a narrator mode. Narrator is screen reader that reads text buttons and other elements of Xbox's built-in apps and experiences and enables you to interact them without viewing a screen. I'm actually really impressed they finally put that in. Uh, so there's a magnifier. It zooms into the screen. Closed captioning, high contrast. It helps you distinguish between items, text, screens, navigating Xbox built-in. Uh, game transcriptions, um, then the family settings, Cortana voice commands. So what, what was that about the ASL again? Their customer support and everything, I guess, is now supports ASL. Uh, okay, so rather than having to uh, call a TTY line, I guess you can call directly and get transferred to someone that uh, will do that automatically. That's actually pretty. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, like it's it's all the stuff that they've been doing, and it's incredible. Like I didn't even know Xbox has been doing that. That's awesome. Good for you, Xbox. They have. Um, they have- some of the coolest, um, like like Xbox's accessibility team has been going around um, to different gaming conventions and stuff and talking with um, with developers about how to make their games more accessible as well. And that's something that I've only noticed this past year is that specifically Xbox's accessibility team has been really on point with that. And I, I know this is going to sound terrible, but I was really cynical when I saw, like in my the accessibility circles I was looking that I'm that I function in that we as a team function in, um, I would see like oh Xbox accessibility expert has like chimed in and started talking about stuff and I'm like oh yeah because Xbox cares so much about accessibility and then like uh, just after a couple months I'm like holy crap they actually do like this isn't some sort of cynical cash grab they actually freaking care and so then you know we're talking like seven eight months later I this launches. And it's just like holy shit! Like that's that's why they they really turned their their accessibility stuff on point. Yeah, I'm very curious of price. Um, I hope it's not like egregious, and that I hope maybe there's some sort of a subsidy ability, like they'll subsidize the price. Um, <laughs> um the- it's a hundred dollars. We'll see. I'm pretty sure I saw a price for it somewhere. The thing is that the Able Gamers does have um, programs, and um, I again uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. But I believe that they have programs that helps 
um, use grant money to uh, help in like make. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I'm pretty sure they do because. Okay. I I know they do, but the problem is that it's one of those things where it's like, oh shit, if I am wrong, these guys are my friends, and I will never hear the end of it. Yeah, and it'll make. It, but I, I'm okay, just okay. Uh, the Xbox adaptive controller is ninety nine ninety nine and uh, US dollars. It will be available for purchase later this year through the Microsoft Store. Uh, more details at E3. That's that's a great price, but that's a solid price. What are all the attachments going to cost? Well, how much does a potato cost? Well, it says you can connect. Can, it, yeah, well, it says create custom control experience that makes gaming more accessible. It says connect external switches, buttons, mounts, and joysticks required for gameplay sold separately. Yeah, I think there's gonna be a lot of third party support for this. Uh, just yeah, hopefully by the nature just, of it, you know. Well, you know, as all businesses go, though, hopefully everything is um very uh you know priced well, and it's not just like, hey, I'm gonna really capitalize on this. Yeah. Well, the uh, thing that should be noted. Go ahead, Jay. The thing that should be noted is that um, I've I've again when talking with with the able gamers and and some other people who who are disabled um they often will have to pay like eight thousand dollars ten thousand dollars twelve thousand dollars for gaming hardware and just just like i know i know it's it's awful and you got to you got to realize that these are people with incredible medical bills already um, these are often people who have to hire caregivers and things like that too, and not something the insurance completely covers. And then all of a sudden, they're going to have to pay um, to pay five thousand to twelve thousand, maybe even more. I've heard of I've heard of even more than that, just to try to experience a hobby to make them uh, make them feel a little better about themselves. Because I fuck knows that I I play games to escape. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I know a lot of. A lot of other people. I'm not going to name names, um, but I know a lot of uh, disabled people who use it specifically as an escape. And like, my God, it sh- the hobby should not be that expensive. The hobby, the gaming as a hobby, is already expensive enough. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring up the cost point. I really hope that it is cost. You know, it, it's a very you know a manageable cost. I know that they've got to make probably some money, or you know at least the cost of the hardware to cost a manufacturer said controller. But come on, they, they can't go through enough. Those people go up, they go through enough and they have, yeah, like you were saying, high medical bills and have all these other expenses that, yeah, just let them play games, man. Let them play games. Yeah. So, so um, in turn, I'm really glad they finally came up with a device that'll let people finally be able to use the end gauge for something useful. <laughs> That's all I could think of. I was like, oh, yeah. I got a joke in here about the end gauge somewhere. Oh yeah, now because it wasn't even an effective phone, was it? No, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it didn't do anything good. <laughs> so but now they can use it as a controller. Albeit, I don't know why, but you know, maybe, maybe there's something that I haven't seen or experienced or known someone who has a condition where their hands are literally that tight and cramped. So I will say this. Um, as far as like going back to like actual accessibility stuff, I I hope that Sony follows suit, and I am expecting Valve to because Valve is all about weird experimental hardware. 
I'm just really sad because I do not see a world where Nintendo will do something like this. And one of the reasons for this is Japan itself, and obviously Sony is a Japanese company, but they do have a lot of American sensibilities. Um, there's a there's a, a saying in the industry that um, that Kyoto companies Kyoto is where where Nintendo is housed. Kyoto companies are to Japan what Japanese companies are to America um, about just how slow they are to change and about how how traditional and structured they are. And one of the things that makes me kind of sad is there's a lot of um, kind of Japan has a weird relationship with disability. Um, and that's that's the best way I can put that without inadvertently sounding like a terrible person. Um, they have a very sort of a, a negative outlook on to on disabled people, and I don't think that that's something that Nintendo, maybe Nintendo of America, but I don't think it's something Nintendo is going to pursue. And Nintendo has a, a wide, long history of completely avoiding gaming accessibility. Um, and it's a real shame. Now, I want to be proven wrong here. I want to be able to sit down right now and say, okay, in nine months, Nintendo will have their answer for this for the Switch. Because the Switch is great for accessories. Um, the Switch is, is built for as many weird, unusual add-on accessories as humanly possible. Um, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope they do come up with something. But definitely Sony will, will be soon to follow. I guarantee it. So I might well, be grasping for straws, but what if Nintendo's been low-key trying to do that for a while? The Wii U, for the most part, or the Wii, rather, for the most part, was something that you might have to barely hold and then move your arm with, even though it wasn't always the case. Most companies, um, if, if most companies you know, have their own drum beat and stuff like that. You know, someone is doing a salsa, uh, Sony's doing salsa, and Microsoft is over here doing dubstep. You know, Nintendo's a weird kid in the corner with a triangle, okay? They've been doing different things. Like, yeah, the Wii was definitely more accessible for people, but it really, I, I can't think of any traditional accessibility options that were inherent in its design. Other than modifying controllers, the Wii was terrible for accessibility. The Wii was terrible for accessibility specifically because it required motion at all. Um, and it also required it also required there to be line of sight with the console. Um, now, again, um, I, I say terrible for accessibility like out of the box, but luckily the Wii controllers are really, really easy to mod. They are just Bluetooth controllers, and that was even before like the 360 was doing Bluetooth controllers. Um, well, the 360 was Bluetooth controllers. Um, so they were super easy to mod, and that was good. But um, so many of the games were just unplayable because they required motion. Um, you can't play Donkey Kong Country Returns without motion. Like you have to shake the controller every once in a while. There is no option to avoid that. Um, and Nintendo, what they specifically wanted to do with the Wii was they wanted to appeal to children, they wanted to appeal to housewives, they wanted to appeal to businessmen, and they wanted to appeal to retirees. The n disabled people were never in the, their thought process at all, especially not physically disabled people. And that is something that Nintendo... Given their, you know, they were aiming for the geriatric demographic there. 
but we are talking we are talking about um p uh elderly people who are still able to get up and move oh, yeah and, and things yeah and I will, I will pat them on the back for for thinking about about elderly people and thinking about children and thinking about people who would not traditionally game. That was wonderful. The Wii was great for the industry, and the Wii was great for non traditional gaming. However, from strictly physically disabled accessibility standpoint, it was garbage. Thanks for clearing that up. I actually didn't under have that perspective. On the bright side of it all, um, depending on how the Xbox controller interfaces with everything, um, knowing how uh, Microsoft is setting up the um, underlying systems of the Xbox and the PC and all that these days to uh, pretty much, I forget what the acronym is, what the name of it is, but it's supposed to be like completely cross-compatible code-wise or something like that. That is correct. Um, so depending on how it interfaces, if it's Bluetooth or USB, you know, and given the, uh, switches modding community and hacking community, it may very well be possible to adapt this device to work on the switch. Um, so, okay. Of course. Um, I will, I will say this. So, um, the, the switch you don't even need to mod the Switch for most controllers. Like, it'll take weird PC Bluetooth controllers and PC USB controllers. It is entirely possible it could take it natively. Like, um, nice. that's Nintendo, one of the really cool Nintendo things. Nintendo stepping outside of proprietary? Um, well, it was accidental. Not really ah. Yeah, um, they they specifically said, okay, we're just going to put a lot of security on our Bluetooth stuff. And then when they found out that that was an issue, they're like, you know what? We're just not going to we're just not going to fix it. We're just going to let people do whatever. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, that seems like it's the end of the topic. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't I can't think of anything else on that specific topic. Well, that was the last topic of the night. Glenn, you don't have anything? Uh, let's see. I mean, I was actually just really absorbed in all of your topics, to be honest. That's cool, because it's getting late, and I've got to get to bed. So, yeah, that was that was the episode. We had a great talk all about cyberbullying and the bullying squad, um, about the Vita discontinuing physical, re- physical cartridge releases, and about the brand new Xbox One accessibility controller in the Able Gamers charity. So, uh, next episode is going to be our famous Game Club. Uh, and we are going to be playing, Grant? What are we playing? I don't know. I didn't pick anything. Okay. I didn't figure anything so, out either. We are going to be playing a mystery game. And with this mystery game, we're going to put that, post that on Twitter as soon as we have that. Actually, I, I have a game that we could be. It's called Old Man's Journey. We're not playing God of War. No, no, it's called Old Man's Journey. <laughs> God of War. Yeah, no, you should Put play God up. of War. Everyone should play God of War, but no, the, the game's called Old Man's Journey, which I don't know what it's about. I just saw that it looked cool. The art style seemed interesting. Okay, so um, we might be playing Old Man's Journey, and if we are not, we will let you all know on Twitter. And so, we'll just side- like collapse us and review it. If not, uh, play, check out Play Monster Prom. It's great. That's a great game. It's awesome. Well, luckily, I've actually created a very, very large list of games that sadly um, neither Cajun nor Grant has gone over completely. 
So no, it would be you nice. You know what we need to do? We, we need to ask uh, Andrew at Orange Bison if he has gotten any game uh, submissions yet since he's announced the comeback of Orange Bison and see what we maybe if he's got any, he can recommend for us. Also a very good idea. So we will figure that out off air. And with that, I've been Jay Kid of Wraith Games. That is at Wraith Games. I have been Grant McClure, founder of Game Over Game On. Twitter, Game Over Game On. YouTube is the Go-Go Show. I haven't posted anything. I don't know what I'm doing with it, but it's there. If you want to check out old stuff that I worked on. Uh, also, I stream on Twitch usually on the weekends, but I've been having a very busy weekend doing overtime work, so it's been very makes me makes my heart sad and he- sad and heavy, and I cry myself to sleep sometimes about it. But uh, yeah, you can go check that out at twitch.tv slash brigadoon five six four, and the same thing on Twitter, brigadoon five six four on Twitter. Grant, do you need a hug? Maybe. <laughs> So I have been Cajun at uh, at Cajun underscore coding, or I, uh, since I'm the host of the NDV pod, and we will hopefully be getting that launched uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, next month or so, I guess. Jay, does that sound like a good timeline for us? The ballpark? It? I have no clue. We'll talk about that later this week. All right, we'll figure that out. But uh, you can catch the uh, tweet to the show if you want to check out uh, past episodes of game developer interviews and stuff like that. Uh, you can find that at, at IndieViewPod on Twitter. Um, and, yep, that's what I've been doing. Is where I'm at. And, hi, I'm Glantai. I make music. I'm making music for Wraith Games. Please go check out my music available on digital distributors everywhere and play Collapses. Thank you. Hashtag play collapses. Oh crap, that's what I was doing. Oh, I knew I was missing something in there. Yeah. I forgot the millennial term. And I was Adam Brown from Wraith Games as well. You can check out my Twitter at Simic Biochemist. So that's our show, everybody. And I would also, uh, since uh, we had uh, Grant and Cajun uh, and probably Glenn, you can find him at Glenty, also on Twitch because uh, they're all pimping their, their Twitch stuff. Um, one of our programmers and artists, Natalie, is playing Minecraft three days a week on our Twitch, uh, twitch.com, at Wraith Games Official. Um, and you can go on our Twitter and find out when that's going to be. Just wanted to pimp that. So that's our show, everybody. Have a wonderful night. I watched one of those VODs of Natalie playing um, Minecraft, and I'm like, man, this looks as bad as I remember. I mean, it's Minecraft. But if people want to watch it, people want to watch it. I know. Yeah. So see you guys. I just wanted to make that really terrible joke because I don't like Minecraft, but that's just me. (laughs) That's fair. Later, Grant. All right. Bye. Later, everybody. Take it easy, y'all. Later, Cajun. Yeah, and Glenn sounds good as always. Anyways, except when he uses oh, thank his, you. as except when he uses his uh, webcam, and it sounded like he was in a <laughs> ten feet away. Yeah, in a tunnel, yelling into a fan. Specifically, in a tunnel full of dicks. Yeah, yeah. To each is their own. That's cool. I mean, whatever. Hey, I'm not. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's probably not that great for soundproofing. Oh no, no, it's bad. <laughs> Especially if the wind comes through there, and you just hear a lot of. <laughs> Now, okay, now I'm genuinely <laughs> interested in what the acoustics would be with a sound box of nothing but suction cup dildos all around it, like the. <laughs> <laughs>
that would be. <laughs> How would that affect it? What is the science and the physics of it behind it? Well, when, would it change when... it at all, or would you just have a box of wiggly dicks? <laughs> hey, everybody! This is Jay Kid. This uh, I fuck this right the fuck up.